Ever wonder what it's like to be a 20-something handbell composer? Today we talk with Mitchell Ethan on the Conspirator Collective Podcast. Let's go! Conspirator Collective. Uh, this is take two. We just had a really great introduction uh, five minutes ago. Um, but I'm here with Mitchell Ethan, and uh, he is a... Uh, well, first of all, hello, Mitchell. How are you? Hello. Nice <laughs> to see you. Am I saying your last name, your full name, Mitchell Ethan, am I saying it correctly? Yes. Norwegian. Oh, very good. Uh, Mitchell is kind of a different kind of artist than we've interviewed in the past here, uh, because he is a published... Handbell Choir Composer. Yes. Like you can literally go online and buy sheet music with your name on it as mm-hmm. composer. That is right. How did you get started as a, in, in that kind of art form? Sure. Well, my mom is a pretty well-known handbell composer, and so I grew up playing bells, doing a lot of church music, and went to college, took some music theory classes, and discovered that I really wanted to write music as well. Nice. Do you remember the first piece that you did? Yeah, so the first piece that I published was called Lincolnshire Dance Song, and it's an arrangement of a band piece by Percy Granger. Um, I actually had the idea, it, sitting in high school band, thinking, wow, this would make a great piece for bells. And then when I got old enough and savvy enough to actually make that happen, uh, I wrote the piece. I love it. I, don't, I wonder how many people have ever had that thought in their mind. Uh, this song really should be bells. <laughs> it is interesting because some people write a lot of pop music and things for bells, and it's fun, but not always idiomatic. And so when you find things like that, think, oh, wow, that could actually really work well. It's kind of exciting. Because it really, the voice of bells would be a complement to yes. the and melody, the, right? Yeah, and the techniques and articulations that you have, and bells are inherently a treble instrument, very bright, and so you have to think about what would work well with that sound um you are also a bell performer Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about some of your recent uh performances sure so i've been part of several handbell ensembles at churches and conferences and colleges in the community um play bell solos at churches as well so the idea is that you have a maybe one or two octaves of bells in front of you and you have to play a whole melody line and perhaps with some chords or harmony thrown in and so there's some interesting techniques for that some people call it a dance when you do a bell solo because it looks very choreographed but my goal is to not make it look frantic that is kind of the tricky issue is you want to maybe play a melody line that's not very straightforward has lots of leaps or jumps but you want to make it look smooth and so you can get a nice sound out of bells um when you're doing a solo piece, I've seen bell technique where you have multiple bells in your hand at the same time, mm-hmm. but when you're doing melody lines, it, they seem to move too much to really be locked into. Yeah, so you can, there's two distinct styles. You can use four in hand quite a bit where 
you have to drop and pick things up a lot. And so you have to think ahead of time how you're going to do that. And there's a lot of complicated notation markings that some composers will use to suggest those things or the performer will write them in the music. Hmm. Um, so you can coordinate um, how you'll pick up multiple bells or you can combine that with a technique called weaving where you pick up single bells but you do it in a way that allows you to play the line. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Very ambiguous definition. But. I didn't see any spin moves or anything. No. So... One of the there's sort of two goals with weaving. One is that you put the bells back where you found them, so they always stay in order. And the second is that you don't cross your hands. So if you do those things, you're essentially weaving through the bells. And sometimes it's a little bit non-intuitive, and which is why it's a technique in the first place, and not just something that's obvious. Sure. Um, while we're recording here, you might hear some noise in the background. Um, Mitchell is here in Detroit because he's serving with Motown Mission for the summer. Um, how, how else have you been bringing your artistic and musical skills to bear in that, uh, in that job? Yeah, so I'm the spirituality coordinator at Motown Mission. So I coordinate some of the devotional materials and our evening worship services. So I'll find some musicians and some music that would be appropriate for our worship experience at Motown. Nice. Uh, what, what kind of music do you see uh, the volunteers bringing with them? These are typically high schoolers and their counselors. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, there's definitely a bent towards more contemporary music. Myself, I'm a hymn guy. I love the old stuff, um, a lot of it. And it is a little sad from time to time. We did, for example, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And I had six kids on stage, and none of them had actually heard this song before. And okay. I was like, oh, man, you know, I hope our hymnody is not getting lost. Um, but I do have an appreciation for a lot of the contemporary stuff that's done very well. And we've had some really great volunteer performers come in and do some really cool sets. So. Um, what's your favorite hymn? Favorite hymn? I have lots of favorite hymns. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like things like Abide With Me, um, with very gentle hymns, things like Come All Christians Be Committed, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, old stuff and somewhat newer stuff, um. I actually I love the Methodist hymnal. All right. <laughs> Things that are in there. I'm not a Methodist uh, by training, <laughs> but um, I that is probably my favorite hymnal because most hymns that I want to find are in there, which is great. Um, do you know if Charles Wesley did any bell music? Was bell were bells going in? No, England? not during his time. Mm -hmm. um, bells were originally brought to the United States from England um, in the early 1900s as part of vaudeville and circus acts really? um, that's how bells came to america and then in about like the 1950s um there were people who realized you could structure it to have a bell choir in a more formal sort of way and you could actually write music so it became more of a valid form of musical expression rather than just a novelty Interesting, but it shares some DNA with those people that put on clown makeup and do the communion yeah. liturgy as clowns. Yeah, and so there's that strain, and then there's also the strain of bells were originally created to practice change ringing in Europe. And so the idea was, 
you'd have these mathematical patterns and these large bells that you'd pull the ropes on and oh, everyone like around tower town. Somewhere. Yeah, and okay. it would come out of the tower and everyone around town would know that you're playing. And people hmm. wanted to be able to practice these patterns before they did them. So handbells were created so people could practice the changes that are called um, without disturbing the neighbors. Now that's a bell show I would go and see. You put <laughs> you, you put a big rack of bells a- along the top of a stage and just ropes hanging down. <laughs> and the choir is just jumping up and down like uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, lots of calisthenics would, would be involved. <laughs> that would be a little closer to like stomp or something. Yeah. Um, what's, the, what's the best uh, popular or modern piece of music that you've heard? transcribed into Ooh. bell music? Oh, that's a great question. Bit of a challenging... It's a bit of a mismatch. Yeah. 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 Lately, there's been a trend to try to do more contemporary or pop music on bells, and my feeling is that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the tricky thing is that a lot of current music is strophic, where... The singer will embellish a line or use different words in each verse, but often the accompaniment stays the same. So when you try to do these arrangements, the issue is you just kind of throw in a repeat and it sounds pretty much the same on each verse because you don't have words to add in. Um, So things that have actually simpler melody lines, I think, work better. If they're like syncopated or there's lots of triplets, it sounds kind of forced in there so things that are naturally lyrical which is why hymns work so well Mm -hmm. for bell music those kinds of lines work really well and things that have interesting harmonies too because again a lot of our current music has some of the same harmonies but sometimes they'll do different things with different instruments but because bells are limited and that you only have one sound you need a lot of variety in other places to make the music come alive a bit more there's a YouTube video of OK Go yep. using bells. Uh, I thought it was cool, and I also saw that they didn't have the right technique. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because in the handbell world, we love things like that, but yet we kind of snarl a little at things like that because <laughs> we think, oh, wow, they're using bells, and it's in a very creative way, in a non-standard you know, bell ensemble in a pop song. That's really cool. But yet we see them playing and think, oh, there's so much more you could do (laughs) if, you know, we could teach you some of the techniques and things um, that we use. So people are looking to know more. Uh, Who do they need to look up? What pieces do they need to find? Who are the people they need to... Your mom, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, so the, the Guild, as it's called, Handbell Musicians of America, is the main organization in the United States for bell people, and they have a lot of seminars and events. Um, some of the big names in handbell composition are, one is Arnold Sherman. He's sort of, in some ways, like the father of all good bell music. Mm-hmm. Um, he really knew how to write for the instrument in a very creative and expressive way. Um, other people, like Kathy Mulkobust, my mother, Sandra Ethan, um, have also written a lot of good bell music in the last 10 or 20 Years and bell music has gotten steadily better actually in like the last 10 years, quite considerably. Mm. Um, some of the older stuff, um, like the old, old stuff, which is only from the 80s, but that's kind of what we call the ancient <laughs> literature because people are still trying to figure out what do you do with this instrument and how do you notate things like damping, like when do you stop the sound, when do you let the sound going, and 
issues like that. And now that we've sort of thought about that more and sorted it out, there's been a lot of great music written just for bells that is pretty good. So in the olden days, it was just like playing the piano with a sustain pedal all yeah, the time. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Or some <laughs> or very conscious damping, playing out bring it back we're uh-huh. gonna stop it and so it either sound very clunky yeah or like you're just keeping the sustain pedal all day um but and sometimes that works like if you have a piece that's say pentatonic um things techniques like that work really well and you can create a very ethereal atmosphere and do some cool things with it mm-hmm. but um knowing when to use those techniques and when not to is the mark of a good bell composer a little shout out to a couple people connected with the church that we attend here in Detroit. Sue Berry was our youth mm-hmm. and uh, adult bell choir person. She's kind of well known in the community. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then uh, Dick Eccles, uh, who just recently passed away, but he he uh, directed the bell choir for years and years and years. He was ninety something, uh, just a really cool guy at Metropolitan. Just want to put a shout out there into the world to say thanks for folks like Dick Eccles and Sue Berry and folks that are all over the place that have been, uh, you know, doing the good work of bell music in local churches for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to feature a little bit more about your process as a, as an artist of like developing your craft. A lot of the people that this podcast is designed for is young folks that want to learn from other artists about what it takes to, get published to mm-hmm. be better to you know that kind of thing what what did you learn as you were writing your first piece as you were getting it out there in the world what were the kind of uh the key takeaways that you had yeah. from that experience <coughs> lots of different things um i used to be concerned with things just after i wrote them actually like i'd write something like oh no is that good but I'm learning lately, if the creativity is there, just keep writing, keep writing, keep writing, and not be so conscious of what comes out until you have a substantial amount of ideas. And then thinking, okay, how can we assemble these? Um, What was a good idea? (laughs) And maybe what's not now that I listened to it 15 minutes later? Um, And so not being too critical at first, but then after that, being willing to learn and acknowledge, okay, this is not as good an idea as I thought it was, and to think about those sorts of things. And also to keep learning. Um, I didn't actually study composition, per se, um, but I took music theory classes in college and did a lot of ensembles and musical activities and sort of gleaned musical ideas that way. And so I'm still learning some of the finer points of music, music theory. Um, I don't really know much about jazz theory. I'd like to learn more about um, some of the things that jazzers use because they're the masters of music theory in a lot of ways. And so I'm still learning about different tools that I can use. I'm trying not to box myself in too much because I get to my favorite progressions and my favorite chords (laughs) and my favorite keys and things that I just know sound good and that I really like. But I'm trying to also be aware of other ideas that are out there and to know what I can work within the um, certain music theory framework that works when we write music, but also having that creative expression of what do I want to put in that's a little bit different, say in a hymn arrangement, thinking about, well, there's a standard harmonization here, maybe there's a second standard harmonization here, and then here is the sort of feeling that I want to evoke, how can I bring those together in a meaningful way that sounds like an interesting piece. Sure. So there's a lot of those musical considerations. And then 
there's the practical considerations too. Um, as I've written for publication, it gets tricky because you have some ideas that you really want to put in, but if something is substantially more difficult than the rest of the piece, often you just can't include it because for marketing purposes, publishers really want things that they know will sell. And so that can be a bit tricky because I often want to write things for larger ensembles or maybe, oh, it'd be great to put, you know, a half-step modulation in there, but then there's a lot of bell changes to worry about. There's a lot of very practical concerns with bell music that you don't necessarily have with other things. Say if you're in band and you modulate to another key, well, you just have to know that you're in another key now in some way, and that's about it. But in bells, you have to think about, okay, who has that bell? Where is it going to go? Who's going to pick that up? And there are standard ways of doing those things, and so you have to keep in the back of your mind, okay, how are people going to play this, and how can I write it in a way that actually is playable? And so there's a balance there between the creative expression and then just the practicality of playing the piece and making it accessible for people. So you write a song on guitar, you know, singer-songwriters, it's for the praise band, and it'll sound different when it's played on just a guitar and vocal and when it's played in the praise band. But how do you hear your piece? It requires a bell choir, doesn't it? Great question, yeah. And I've gotten accustomed to a lot of computer recordings because it's difficult often to find people to play your music. Um, MIDI bells? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, there is a sound in Sibelius. <clears throat> that doesn't sound too bad, but yeah, it's tricky because you're just like, oh, this will sound so cool in real life. But And then it's also tricky because you're composing, and I've been guilty of getting so used to the playback on the computer that I forget sometimes, oh yeah, this is actually going to sound different. Um, especially in the low range in bells, there's so many overtones that you have to be careful of not writing chords that are too thick that will just kind of blend together but yet bells are so high that you kind of lean towards more bass a lot of the time because you just want that lower grounding sound so there's those tricky considerations that you don't get from the piano playback i think but there have been some groups that have um trial tested some of the music that i've written and i'm really grateful for them because then you actually get a sense of what it sounds like nice at some of the bell conventions, they actually have unpublished reading sessions for this very reason, because they know how hard it is for you to run your music when you write it. So. <laughs> and, of course, you're, you're bowing out right now because they're the big... Yeah, the National, national Seminar is in Anaheim, California right now, <laughs> and they're going to Disney as well. So. <laughs> your people, your people are yep. gathering. <laughs> well, we like to um, share a piece... Uh, that you've written at the end here. Can you tell us a little bit about the one that you'd like us to share? Sure. So I'll share Joyful Acclamation, which is an original piece that just came out this year with AGHR Publishing. That's the American Guild of English Handbell Ringers. And it's my first original piece that's come to print now. And I'm really excited about it because I got the idea for it actually just walking in the library in college i had this little riff and i'm like oh that sounds cool and then i'm like must write this down and i think by the time i wrote it down it probably changed in my head that's another issue of composing you get great ideas and mm -hmm. then you lose them or they change and things but i wrote it down and i was really psyched about this idea and kind of extended it to make a full-length piece and 
I really liked how it turned out. Um, so it has three distinct sections in sort of an ABA form. Um, we start out with this main melody, very exciting, happy C major. Um, then we move into A flat major, a little warmer, and we switch to hand chimes at that point, which we often pair with bells. And we do the same theme, but it's a bit more reflective, um, introspective. And um, it looks like it's going to cadence into C minor at the end of that section. So we're like, oh, oh, what's this? You know, it sounds like it's sort of going downhill here. We're kind of brooding. And then we surprise and go back to the main theme, C major. And then we close it out. Uh, well, that sounds great. And we'll be able to um, <laughs> play a uh, demo version of that as soon as the uh, drills uh, stop <laughs> playing. Um, uh, and we'll just cut in a couple of further questions because we'll have a little time um so my two-year-old received the gift of boom whackers mm. have you ever used kind of yes. these toy kind of non-traditional they're they're it's like the bridge between bells and orf instruments or something yeah yeah and i think they are a great tool i used them actually when i taught summer school bell classes in high school um, can you describe what they are for anybody? Sure. So know. they're these plastic tubes, and they're pitched. So you can whack them on your arm or your leg, and you can hear a pitch out of them, and they're colored according to their pitches. So there's a lot of neat things you can do with these um, because they're childproof instruments in a way, and they're like bells or hand chimes in that you can just dole out separate notes. So you can do things like... Um, singing a song, playing chords underneath. Um, it can be a bit difficult to get a full melody line with boomwhackers. Um, <laughs> that's sort of an art <laughs> in itself that people have done. Um, but they're a really great tool, yeah, to bridging kids to other instruments, especially handheld things. Again, it's pretty good uh, YouTube videos that basically look like melodic sword fighting. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because... Yeah, if you're really good, people have done things like um, box prelude number one in C major with boom whackers, you know, and they make it like and do a dance and they get really large boom whackers and then you can put caps on the bottom that drop them a full octave. Right, right. And so you get these really low sounding boom whackers <laughs> and it's just a really quaint kind of experience. <laughs> Um, now, for many years of the handbell in the handbell world, there was this fight raging between two companies. Ah, yes. Where do you come down on the? <laughs> That's a great question. So <laughs> there was like a whole. There was even like a This American Life or something. Yeah, else, there right? was an NPR story about it, which yeah. was really cool. Actually, when I found that, I was like, Oh my! Like, there's bells and they're on radio. <laughs> so there's two main handbell. Um, manufacturers. There's the Schulmerk company, and they were formed first, and then there's Malmark. And actually, the guy who founded Schulmerk left and founded Malmark, Jake Malta, <laughs> um, who died in the last few years. And there is some competition. Um, so generally speaking, and this is very debatable and depends on your artistic aesthetic, but Schulmerk bells have sort of a darker softer, richer sort of sound, and Malmark bells are much brighter. That's sort of the general sound difference, although some people say, I can't tell the difference. Um, <laughs> I think there is a distinct difference. That's where I come down. Um, I like the sound of Schulmerk bells a lot, although on the practicality side, they have less options for repair and like changing 
how the bell functions. Um, Malmark bells are really nice in that you can change the clapper setting on the spot, and so you can twist the inside of the bell and get a softer or, or a more harsh sound. Schoenmark bells, you have to get out your screwdrivers to sort of achieve that kind of effect. Mm. Um, so <laughs> it is kind of a debate, and Malmark bells are also nice in the practicality side because they're white and black. They look like piano keys. Schoenmark bells are largely all black, and so if you're trying to teach students how to play bells, um, it can be a little bit more confusing because, you know, your F sharp is black, but also your F is black and a Schoenmark set, whereas in Malmark bells, your F natural is white and F sharp is black, and so it's sort of easier on a cognitive level for some people to use them. Um, well, if there's ever been an inside baseball moment of, for talking about bells, I think that may have been it. <laughs> but thanks for <laughs> sharing about that. Uh, other than um, bell folks uh, that you've interacted with, uh, those kind of composers, who are, who are your other artistic kind of inspirations? Oh, gosh. I love Baroque music. That's probably my favorite era, um, classical era. I love Bach and just listening to some of that wonderful music that establishes here's the things that work in music, here are the chord progressions that work and I was a math major in college so some of those highly structured pattern types of music really appealed to me in that way. Um, but I also like the Romantic era and Brahms and Tchaikovsky and some of those really expressive creative works. Um, mainly in my life, I've been a band guy. I've been in bands since seventh grade and all through college playing saxophone. And I love people like Percy Granger, Ralph Vaughn Williams that really knew how to write very warm pieces for band. You can tell I like warm music. <laughs> I use that word a lot. Um, yeah, and I just love band music, and there's some great writings by Percy Granger, actually, about how the band could be superior to the orchestra, which um, would be blasphemy to some people, but <laughs> because of the fact that you're using your own breath and breathing an instrument, it gives a whole new range of expression, because in the strings, you're, you're hitting things. Um, can be more percussive, and so <laughs> who am I to talk? Because I do bells, <laughs> which are extremely percussive. So there's a contradiction right there. But take that orchestra, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> put you in your place. <laughs> but yeah, it's I've always loved band. I love jazz as well, um, especially like 40s and 50s jazz. Um, Count Basie, Duke Ellington, getting into like Coltrane and Charlie Parker. Um, Basically, I find it's interesting that the more music I play, the more I just like that music. Like, if I just listen to music, I'm not as apt to like it as if I actually play it. Hmm. Although, I am more apt to lean towards jazz and classical music overall. And maybe that's an encouragement if you're... Uh really want to get into something learn how to play it a little bit yeah you get a whole new appreciation for Mm -hmm. what people are doing and trying to do that being said i don't know if i'll ever really come to like country music that much (laughs) (laughs) just gotta learn to play some yeah on the bells yeah (laughs) (laughs) some johnny cash yeah uh, two octaves oh my ring of fire Uh, yeah (laughs) it's funny there's a youtube video called ring of fire handbells and people get really excited it's got like forty thousand hits but it turns out that there's a bell group called ring of fire they're not actually playing ring of fire but the comment sections are just outraged like <laughs> no, i know johnny cash <laughs> mitchell thanks so much uh where can people find some more information about your your work um 
Yeah, so the end-all, be-all site to buy handbell music, I shouldn't say that too loudly, is Jeffers Handbell Supply, handbellworld.com. And if you type in Mitchell Ethan, E-I-T-H-U-N, you'll find some of my music there. Um, If you're interested, all in the family of my mother's music, she's Sandra Ethan. If you type her in, you'll find hundreds of handbell pieces that she has written over the years. Nice. Thanks for being on Conspirator Collective. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome. The Conspirator Collective is an arts project of Young People's Ministries. Find more at umcyoungpeople.org. And special thanks to the Gentle Wolves. Check them out at gentlewolves.bandcamp.com.